0: 9-11. A time time and event event that that we we all remember. remember. Where were were you during 9-11? A question question that that many many of us us might ask is, where where was God? God. All that's that's coming up next on the Dude
1: Dude Facts Facts Podcast. Welcome to the Dude Facts Podcast. We're four guys, a church planner in the Pacific Northwest, an army chaplain, an equity plan management analyst, and a connections pastor, whatever that is. In the past, we all served in youth ministry together. In the present, we create weekly podcast episodes dealing with ministry, church life, and pop culture. And in the future, well, we're gonna be the cool granddad that tells us grandkids to pull his finger. If you love Jesus, Java, and corny jokes, you're gonna fit right in. So sit back, relax, Grab a cup of Joe and enjoy this week's episode of the Dude Facts podcast. All right, welcome everybody to part two of this week's episode of Dude Facts. Uh, We are discussing September 11th because if you're listening to this on the day we release it, it is September 11th, Um, and we are 22 years. This is the 22nd yeah. anniversary yeah. Wow. of the attacks uh, at the in New York at the World Trade Center towers, and uh, so we thought we would pause, um, kind of in our what we had planned to do this week. If you're just now joining us, we mentioned this uh, on the last uh, on the first part of the podcast uh, that our plan was to uh, kind of ask the question: What does the Bible say about sex and pornography? And things just didn't work out in our scheduling this week to have all of us together, and we really wanted that, um, so uh, we're gonna. Push that off maybe a week or so, um, depending on who's around. I know we've looked at each other's schedules. I think you may be out a week and I'm at, we'll figure it out. You don't need to know all those details. Um, so uh, Jeff had the idea of, since this is going to air um, on 9-11, we'll just talk about 9-11 and our experiences on that. Um, we were in different positions in life and places going on. Um, and uh, it it's probably, um, Jeff, you said this, in the first part that it is probably the most significant uh, event uh, of our lifetime as far as a world event and um, probably no, I guess no probably about it. I'll say at least, at least, you know, on a world stage, one of the most significant things. Yeah. that That's happened. So um, and for us, it happened at a time when we were young, um, you know, in those ages of trying to figure life out on our own in some ways. And, um, uh, so I think that had a unique impact on each of us. Um, so uh, we can just kind of jump into that. and then we're also going to talk about um, what uh, questions that people might have when events like that happen, um, such as you know where's God in all this? you know when we see something tragic happen um, along these lines where there's so much um, so much destruction, so much so much death um and chaos, like where's God in the midst of that? you know, couldn't he have stopped it? And if so, why didn't he? Um, And then how do we respond just as believers, uh, especially if we get asked that question? I think um, understanding, you know, how God works and his ways um, will be helpful for us. So um, let's just let's just jump in there. And uh, one of you guys want to start with kind of where you were when you first heard the news that planes had hit the towers.
2: Well, I can start with me as I'm probably. Chronologically, the youngest uh, during that, um, so I was uh, I was I was real young. Uh, so I was in the fifth grade when nine uh, eleven happened. I um I, f- I feel like I was probably you know around my age or maybe like a year younger. Was probably like the youngest that like kids were that like were really felt the effects of nine eleven. I feel like if you were any younger than I was, you probably didn't really understand what was going on it wasn't it wasn't as hard hitting for you just because you didn't have the the you know experience and world you know knowledge of the world yet to really put it in perspective and for me, I know that the thing that hit me the most was that you know i was i was at school so just going through a normal school day they didn't tell us about it. My brother who's several years older than me, he was in uh middle school at the time and they they actually You know, were telling the kids, and they were watching the news and um, in class and stuff like that. But my age group, they didn't want to tell us because they didn't want to scare us and freak us out. Um, So all the teachers just went on through the rest of the day acting like nothing had happened. And um, I get home off the school bus that day, and um, you know both my parents worked, so they didn't get home till later in the day. So let myself in. I'm coming in to you know watch some afternoon TV do some stuff. I, I turn on the TV. I was trying to watch like Pokemon or something like that. And uh, I was like, what is going on? Where's no Pokemon. So I was, uh, it was just, you know, these news stories and I, I didn't know what was going on. All I saw was a smoking building. I was like, oh, something's on fire. I didn't know what was happening. And it, my brother came in and I was, you know, talking, telling him, I was like, Hey, you know, the show I normally watch is not what's going on. And, and he was like, you don't know what happened. And I was like, no, what happened? And then he was like, he told me that the the World Trade Center in New York was um, attacked, and that we really didn't know much else what was going on. Um, by that point, they they knew that there had been you know an attack of some kind. I think that the uh, Pentagon and all that had already happened by time I found out about it, and uh, I immediately just felt terrified as a child, and I was very. I didn't know what was going on. I, you know, in my mind, I heard World Trade Center. I knew there's a, I know there's a World Trade Center in Dallas. So I was like, oh my gosh, are they targeting more things? What's going on? So there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of just scariness. And the fact that my parents were home, I was, you know, had no idea what was happening. And uh, it was, it was a really, really rough time for me. And then from, from there, growing up into middle school, high school, college, uh, you know, the I I feel like I really saw the the ripple effects of that event firsthand and how it affected not only our nation and the people, but culture and, you know, future events and things like that. So, you know, it really was kind of a marker in my life for, um I don't know, I don't want to say like a loss of innocence, but more just like a kind of just an eye opener for me of the world and kind of the you know that terrible things do happen and that some sometimes things are just you know not really explainable um so you know that was kind of my approach from it from a, from young eyes kind of growing into it it was a it was a crazy thing to see witness and grow up in
0: and you said it was a marker in your life ryan and you know i, I excuse me I would say the same thing, um, about my experience with it too. It was definitely a marker. It was the first time that I remembered actually feeling a little bit of regret cause I'd already gone to college and graduated and my thought was, uh, I'll never be in the military cause I've already, that window's already passed. And I remember thinking like, and I wish I would have had the opportunity to serve. Uh, 'cause a lot of my family had and honestly I think that was part of what God used ultimately to call me into chaplaincy, but that's a whole different testimony, but I remember that day um I was working at a bank it was right before i as uh, several months before I went to seminary, and uh just going into the bank like I normally would on a Tuesday, we actually had some auditors at the bank that week from New York City who were there um you know d- doing their annual audits and i remember walking in and uh one of the auditors that i had met um was walking down the stairs as i was walking up the stairs and she was in tears and uh, i just remember her kind of walking real fast past me and i thought that's odd um you know thought maybe something had happened in her family and got a phone call um didn't know what happened and I walk into the lobby and everyone who was already there were gathered around the small TVs that we had in the lobby. And uh, by at that time, the first plane had hit and uh, I actually watched the broadcast as the second plane uh, hit the towers. Um, I didn't understand it. I think Josh and I talked a little bit about this beforehand. I didn't quite grasp the gravity of it, honestly, in those first few moments. I mean, it was scary, but. You know, it just it just didn't hit me like how many people work in that building, and you know, even the the surrounding area. But it's odd because two years prior to that, ninety nine, I actually had this really cool opportunity where I'd won a trip to go to the David Letterman show, um, and I got to bring somebody, so I brought my dad, and we flew up to New York City. And I'd been to New York before, but never really spent a lot of time in the city, but. As a part of that trip, we took a tour around New York City, and we actually went to the World Trade Center. And I kid you not, I remember walking up to the World Trade Center, one of the buildings, and just standing next to it and looking. And I really had not seen buildings that tall ever in my life as a 20, 21-year-old. And I remember looking up and thinking, wow, what if this thing fell? I actually had that thought two years prior, like, like this is so huge, it's massive. And then to see two years later, here it is, like worst nightmare, it's falling. And it wasn't until I got home that night to, uh, Stephanie and I had a little apartment and uh, we were talking about it and she had obviously seen it throughout the day. And I think it was Stephanie that, you know, her words sort of snapped me out of that mode of, you know, not really you know, that, that, that feeling of, of this isn't a big deal. Um, cause she was like, this is a big deal. And uh, she's like, look out how many people are, are missing or already pronounced dead. And, um, I remember thinking you're right. Yeah, this, this is, I mean, this is a huge, significant event. And obviously as we found out everything, um, that went in behind it, uh, you know, the gravity of it grew, but, um, I, I sort of felt even that loss of innocence a little bit too. But at the same time, <clears throat> still to this day, I, I've i never seen our nation more united coming out of that. I mean, that was the most united I'd ever seen our nation. I remember weeks later at the, the World Series, it was the Yankees and Diamondbacks because mm-hmm. I hate the Yankees. And obviously, I'm rooting for the Diamondbacks wholeheartedly. But the World Series is in New York. And here is... Um, our president, George Bush, walking out when we're we're still scared at this point. We're still thinking, like, hey, like, you know, something could happen to our president. Mm -hmm. And here he is walking out into this very public place, thousands of people gathered for the World Series and he's throwing out the first pitch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I got chills, like tears in my eyes watching that. I was like, that's incredible. But you felt this power. And I think um one of the neat things, you know, tying this in spiritually is that um, I, I think God used that moment and obviously we don't know all the reasons why it happened and God allowed it to happen, but I do believe he used that time to unite us in a way. And that uniting actually came through, I think a loving response. Um, of course we were afraid, we were, we were worried, but, um, I, I felt like a lot of people felt, had more of a, a loving response to, um, those things and, uh, you really saw it come to fruition um, in the way that our nation responded much more than like, um, you know, in recent years, 2020 with COVID, um, we had a very fearful response Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of division during that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a lot of unity during this time, which I thought was cool.
1: Yeah. I remember that um, when you talk about um, President Bush throwing out that pitch and the crowd went berserk and Chance of USA and all that. And, and it didn't matter what side of the political aisle you were on. Um, there was this, there was this tragedy that united all of us and, um, man, it was, it was such, it was unique because you were, you were grieving and you were still like, somebody did this to us, you know, and, but there was such a unity, um, that like you said that unite, it was so different and you're, we haven't experienced anything different. In fact, as you said, like with, with COVID it's like, it's been the exact opposite. And, um, but even before then really since, you know, I think, and I'm not saying Bush was the answer, either one of them, but it seems like after his presidency, um, you know, it's just completely gone the opposite direction. You know, Mm -hmm. um, when, when Obama, Uh, Was elected and then and then on. Um, There's been such hatred and vitriol for the other side. Um, Yeah. So my story—that's a whole other topic. Um, By the way, before you get into
0: your story, this will unite us. My son just brought pizza, and I feel like
1: everybody should grab a slice. Are we sharing this? Yeah. All right. I'll take a slice. Yeah. I I think he brought it in here for all of us. Oh man, Silas is a good kid.
0: Yeah. Grab you a slice there.
1: And he has not gotten. The mullet yet, which is good to see. No, yeah, I just dropped pizza sauce on my (laughs) Um, so I was in my last semester in college at Middle Tennessee State, and um, I I remember waking up, and my parents. I lived at home um, until I got married, and um, my parents were gone. Uh, my mom commuted to Nashville every day, so she was gone. My dad was was at work, and I don't remember if they called me, or if the TV was just left on. Um, but we had this little box TV in our kitchen, and I remember watching um, this the news story and think, "What in the what in the world's going on?" Kind of like what you was. I was so confused, um, and. And I, so I, I stared at it kind of in disbelief, you know, trying to make sense of it. And I remember I was watching it when the second tower was hit. And that was a moment of, oh, gosh, like this is this is something bit like, but still not thinking it was an attack. Right. Like because the, the news report for the first one was a plane flew into the Twin Towers. Right. And then it wasn't until that second one hit, there was a little bit of. Uh, uh, what's happening. And then you have the third plane, I uh, hit the Pentagon and then the fourth one in a field. But, um, at that point I was like, I, I don't, I don't really get this. Didn't know the gravity, like you said, Jeff, and I had a class. So I went to campus and, um, I remember going into the music building and, um, and that's where my people were. That's kind of like my tribe then. Uh, I spent a lot of time there And the music building is always loud, not just hearing instruments playing or if there's a band rehearsing, but just band people were loud people. And so there was always just stuff happening. It was a fun place to be, Um, but it was quiet going in. I remember that. And then you would see maybe a few people over here crying or hugging or whatever. And, And then down the hall again or whatever. And it was just like the life that's usually in that building was gone. Um, and one of the, one of the band directors, I remember he stepped out of his office and said, Hey, another plane hit something. And, uh, and that really kind of, you know, you begin thinking think again, this is bigger, this is an issue. And I don't remember anything else that day. Um, you said it was on a Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. So it was either that day or the next day. Um, we had band rehearsal, uh, band rehearsal, I think Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so it'd been the next day um, going out to the football stadium to, to practice. And um, because um, I was in the marching band and going out there. And the the guy who led the band, he was always this super fun, chill, laid back, um, you know, easy to get along with guy, cutting jokes. And he was just at a loss. Like, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what's happening this weekend. I don't know what's happening next weekend. I just don't uh, you know. So he's like, let's just play a few things. And he let us go. Like It was just like, everybody was at a loss of what Mm -hmm. to do. And um, I don't really remember the next few days of, of that. Um, Bridget and I were getting ready to get married in just a couple months. And so I'm sure there was a a lot of distraction with that, but whatever our next home game was, whenever that was, whether, I doubt it was that Saturday, you know, everything ended up kind of taking a pause for a bit, except for the, the world series was that later on was that in october though um it, it was later on but i think things did pause but things for a paused while. They, i think games were canceled yeah. and so it may have been that next weekend during that week before whatever that home game was um we were practicing uh some sort of um arrangement of amazing grace and um these this team ensemble of bagpipe players came to rehearsal and they were going to play with us. And I was getting chill. I mean, you just get chills with that. And then at that game, um, you know, they played with us. It was pregame playing this, everybody in the stand. I mean, it was fuller than usual um, because people knew there was a special thing happening. And I guess, and first responders surrounded the field and they had this huge American flag on the field. And um, the response to that after playing that with, with the bagpipes and everything, it, you saw people in the stands crying and um it was just again one of those moments during that they thought man this has impacted everybody you know it's it's a huge thing and it's still on youtube like the that performance is still there i'll go back every now and then i'll go back and and watch it and um i still get i just get chills thinking about it um but then i remember kind of on the lighter side that december bridge and i get married and of course Everything changed. You know, we talk about pre-COVID and post-COVID. I mean, there was pre-9/11 and post-9/11, and we were on our honeymoon. We got married on uh, the 15th of December, and we were do- we're on a cruise. And I remember just security everywhere. And we got off at some port, and we were doing an excursion, and we looked really young, uh, Bridget and I did. Um, and we we're trying to get back on the boat, and whoever was there kind of keeping track of who's coming and going, didn't want to let us on unless our parents were with us. <laughs> and like, we can't let you on. We see your passport, but where are your parents? I was like, well, we're, we're married. We're not brother and sister. We're not from Alabama. <laughs> and, um, and so Tennessee they let us. close. It's close, but not as bad. Also not children. Listen, we'll, let, we'll marry our cousins in Tennessee, but yeah. Alabama, it's siblings. That's right. And, uh, uh, but, but it was a weird time. And uh I think about my kids. My youngest was born two years after that. And the the measures that are taken for security now is all they've ever known. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, hey, there used to be a time when all you needed was your driver's license and they might pat you down <laughs> at the airport. But um People know. used to be able to drop you off and go all the way to the gate. Yeah, to the yeah. gate with you. That's right. That was Which right was before wild. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, man, definitely one of those moments in life that just changed everything. Um,
0: Yeah. We talked a little bit about, you know, there, we have a whole generation now that doesn't even know 9-11. Obviously they've heard uh about it, but they didn't experience it like we did. And uh, if anything, we now understand better, you know, those who are older than us that experienced like Vietnam and the great depression and Pearl Harbor and things like that. But, um, it's, it's interesting to see this generation, you know, that just sort of only knows post nine 11. Um, and obviously it doesn't impact them in the same way. And in, in some ways it saddens me because they don't, that they didn't get to experience the unity. Like I talked about that, that did come out yeah. of that and to see that, Hey, we can, despite political differences and and beliefs come together and be unified, um, you know, over a common ground. We always talk about shared hardship is one of the things that unites. And, and we were going through a hardship together. Now shared hardship can also divide, but this, this again was a uniting thing, I think for the most part. And, uh, My kids obviously were born after 9 11 as well, but uh, living in New York, we got to go to the 9 11 Memorial and uh, we brought them to that a couple of times actually. And I think it gave both of them an appreciation for that moment, just getting to see some of those things. I was telling Josh beforehand that, you know, there's a room at the 9 11 Memorial where you can actually hear, um, answering machine messages from actual people who were in the building or on a plane mm-hmm. who knew they were going to die and they were calling their family mm-hmm. and uh, just giving them one last goodbye, loving message. And it, it was sad to to see that. And even now thinking about it makes me sad, but also at the same time, there was just an outpouring of love from what was a horrific event. And so when I think about, you know, that question, where was God? And uh, I, I think Josh you mentioned it at the beginning of this discussion, you know, that thought of, you know, could God have stopped it? Sure, God could have actually, you know, absolutely stopped it, but it was not within his plan to stop it. And obviously that's the question we have is well, why was it not within his plan? But I it makes me think because obviously God's God's ways are are much bigger than ours. I was just reading Isaiah 55 8 and 9 this week for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts what a reminder of the fact that he is god and we're not and it makes me think how many 9 11 type events has god stopped that we just don't know about because his ways are higher than our ways because he is intervening all the time And for whatever reason, he chose to let it happen um, on September 11th, 2001. But despite that, um, you know, what man intends for evil, God can use for good, as we know from the story of Joseph. And God used that event, I think, for a lot of good. Now, arguably, we can say there's a lot of evil that still came from that. And there was a war that lasted 20 plus years that um, you know, obviously had some, some issues and problems with it, but, uh, that, that spirit again, that unity, and I think that response and love, um, you know, I think is something that our, our country needs quite frankly, and I'm not wishing another event yeah. like this on us, but you know, it, it was for lack of better term, it was a revival. It was mm-hmm. an awakening for our country. Maybe not everyone turning back to God, but there were a lot of people turning back to God at that time.
1: I remember, like churches were packed. Yeah, the at least the next few weeks they were packed, and and I think that's one of those things where you see God redeeming a situation like that um, because it gets your attention. Yeah, people start thinking about their own mortality um, and um, questioning, you know, what's going on, anything along those lines. And they were there; they were in church. People were would talk about praying and thoughts and and all you know whatever social media we had going at that point um and now it's like if you say hey thoughts and prayers people are like you can keep your thoughts and prayers you know it's just so different um but there was a sensitivity to spiritual things a heightened sensitivity to spiritual things then um and and when you look back on it it's easier to see those things when you're in the midst of of a tragedy like that it's really difficult to have just like this steady faith of, all right, well, God, okay, God's doing something, you know, he's allowing this for a reason. You know, you're in the middle of it. You're like, God, what in the world? What This is for children. I mean, there are children in the preschool there at the twin towers that were, that were killed. And, um, but I think, I think an, uh, an, an important thing to understand is when it comes to God's will, I, you mentioned, you know, it wasn't his plan like none of that's his plan. None of the, none of the evil was his plan. Um, none of this chaos was a part of it. Um, and so like, it's not his will that anything like this happens. I mean, his will is that we all trust and follow him and that no one perishes and that we would live lives that fully honored him, which would mean terrorists not flying planes in the buildings. And, um, But things happen he, he allows us people to make choices. But then the amazing thing is that he does take these things that were so tragic and he, he pulls the good from that. Um,
2: I think it's easy for people to get hung up on the, you know, saying like, you know, it's not in God's plan to stop that from happening. God's plan is ultimately the redemption of mankind. And, Things that happen within that, you know, we we live in a fallen world and bad things happen. And that's just the reality of the state that, you know, mankind is born into. And what God does do from that, though, is he's able to give a glimpse of his ability to redeem that. In those tragic mm-hmm. moments, he can bring those good things in the wake of those. You know, so God's not God's not a kid with a magnifying glass just picking and choosing what bad things happen and what don't he's taking, you know, the the things that naturally happen in our fallen world. And he's taking that and like, Hey, I'm still here. I'm here for you. And I'm, my plan is for you to be redeemed from this ultimately.
1: And you think if stuff like that, I don't want to over spiritualize this, but you think if stuff like that never happened. Would we have, well, people don't really long for heaven anyways, but would we have a longing for, stuff to be made right for, for creation to be like, would would we desire that as much? I mean, you know, as we've gone through the pandemic and we're maybe on the other side, maybe it's starting up again, but the older I get and the more I deal with, um, the more I've dealt with the health issues that I've had, like, and then you throw uh, the Rona on top of it. I, I find myself more and more like, I just want to go to heaven. Like I just, I just want this to be over. Um, and I don't have to deal with this stuff anymore. I don't, I don't want to have, you know, pain all, all the time or this or that. Like, and it does cause you to long for, um, everything to be healed, not just physically, but, but within our world. And I'm glad you said that, Ryan, cause that, that's so true. It having that perspective, um, like, all right, God's plan is to redeem this, to restore this, everything. Mm. Um, and the more we go through and experience tragedies like this hopefully the more it creates this longing uh, to be with jesus and for all this to be redeemed and then maybe until that happens maybe we're being motivated to do what we can to join him in his restorative work here um so things like that don't happen again or so that when things like that do happen we are active in uh, in being on the team um god in bringing you know restorative work mm-hmm. into the situation you know responding to to love people well um and to serve them well in, in situations so definitely you know throwing out your thoughts and prayers but can you go you right. know can you be there how can you best best help whatever it is um and then again you saw that after 9 11 I think you saw so much outpouring of love and tangible love mm-hmm. um to the families uh that were affected and So, yeah, I mean, you saw you saw God do that.
2: And we saw from that with with 9-11 specifically, you know, not that there weren't people that used the tragedy for their own purposes. Oh, yeah. Gain or whatnot. But I felt like on the majority from top to bottom, people were united in getting through this, specifically as Americans. And, you know, that, you know, you, you compare that to COVID. We didn't have that with the, you know, something that was a big in, not even national, but like just international worldly thing like COVID. We didn't, we had people, you know, trying to misinform and use things for their own purposes and, 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 you know, causing that division. I didn't, we didn't see that with nine 11 or at least not to that extent. And, mm-hmm. you know, not to, and we, the, if that was done, it was able to be drowned out by the unity and people coming together in our government, you know, from, President Bush on down, I think that was the real difference there. And th- I'm glad you brought up that, that baseball game, because I feel like that m- moment in history was, that was the moment, you know, everybody up until then, nobody knew what was going on. Everybody was kind of scared Like, what's going to happen next. Everybody's waiting for the other shoe to drop. And that moment was our leader going out there on national television, for a baseball game, something that, you know, people were probably thinking, why are we doing this? You know, there's so much more serious things going on. And he him throwing out that first pitch, that was just signaling to our country that hey, we're going to get through this. We're going to move on.
0: Yeah, there was perhaps nothing more Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All the way. I pulled
1: that clip up. Oh, you um, got it. Yeah, so let's let's see if we can Watch this. Give me just that because I'm going to need to adjust.
0: Yeah, and I, like, I want to get back to, you know, something we've all talked about. But, um, you know, Ryan brought it back up is that idea of the way that we, we responded after 9-11 versus the way we responded uh, with um, COVID. Uh, there was much more of a response of fear and division and it's, it's pretty neat. I actually read this book recently. It's called the one truth by John Gordon. I don't normally plug books on here, but uh, I bought it at the airport when I went to San Antonio, read it. Great book. Uh, this guy is, he's not only a motivational speaker, but he's, he's, he's a strong believer, um, very solid in his faith and incorporates that into the book. But the entire thing is about our perspective and he's encouraging people to uh, obviously be positive and optimistic, but really tying that in spiritually, you know, God designed us to live joyful lives. And, um, when we hit circumstances that are tragic or rough or terrible or whatever, we have a choice to, you know, allow those circumstances to dictate how we will, um, you know, then live. And so a lot of times if they are negative, we're going to respond negatively and possibly with fear, um, or anger or hate or whatever. Um, Or we can allow God to work in our lives and respond in love and also have a hope in Mm -hmm. Jesus, that confidence that God's got Mm -hmm. this, that, you know, that that we have a home that is somewhere else and uh, we will one day leave this place and he will heal this and he's going to redeem us uh, through, through Jesus. We can respond that way. and, And obviously you see no shortage of bad events happening in scripture but yet men like Paul, who's in prison saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, to say rejoice. And so I think it's a call back to, you know, how do we respond when things like when tragedy happens? Well, we respond by choosing to, to walk in love. We, re- we respond by having that confidence in who God is. And that's what stands out because yeah. people don't understand the guy who's been through hell, but yet he's smiling and has got cheer in his life because that's Jesus Mm -hmm. in his life Mm -hmm. That's Jesus at work. And so I think God uses those moments to sort of, you know, almost engage that and in his followers and really turn people to see like, wow, okay, this, this Jesus thing is real because they have a confidence and a hope that I don't have despite all that's happened. And, uh, he obviously did it in nine 11. And I think he did it with Corona as well and still does it every day, but, I think that's important for us as Christians to not be the ones who freak out. And I think during Corona, there were too many Christians freaking out and especially politically. And we got to be the ones that are confident in
1: who our God is. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to know that, um, you know, to you, you're, you were talking on this to, to know that it, it's through those, those events like that and times like that in our lives that, I mean, God, God's, um, God does His best work, you know. Yeah. Um, that's where we grow. That's where we're strengthened, and yeah, that's where other people see the effect that He has um, in a life mm. when tragedy happens. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I think it's interesting. One uh, one of my favorite books that I read in high school was Night by uh, Ellie Wiesel, who's you know a Holocaust survivor. Mm writing about his experience and that as a young person growing up during that, you know, off of this horrific time in history that, you know, this, this terrible things going on. And he talks a lot about, about, you know, where is God in this, and he comes to ultimately a different conclusion than I did reading his, his work that, you know, he comes to more of a conclusion that, that, you know, there, that God turned a, Turned a blind eye to the the plight and the situation of um, the Holocaust and what was going on there, but I I it, you know even in at high school age I disagreed with his deduction there because my thought was more I was like well you see God in the people that gave of themselves sometimes their own lives to help other people and did you know that that's that's really God's work is through the people that feel that conviction to help someone else, to give their own life or their own self, you know, with their own um, detriment to help other people, even in the worst of times that we have. You know, I feel like that's really the the image of God in those terrible things is, you know, how people respond. And I feel like that's important to understand as Christians that that needs to be our place when things happen. We need to be those people that are, you know, like, I don't care. I don't care what's going on with me. Let me help these people that really need it right now.
1: Yeah. And um, as we, as we kind of begin to wrap this conversation up, um, you, you, they'll say, well, wh- where's justice? You know, um, these were good people. Um, you know, uh, we, that's a whole other conversation, but you know, it, th- this happened to, to good people and, you mm-hmm. You know, um, God's not ignorant of that feeling um, of something terrible happening to a good person. And, um, you know, you think of watching his son through um, his final hours of his life, you know, the best person, you know, Jesus, the the good person, and um, the completely unjust way that he was beaten and mocked. And tortured, if you will, um, and then murdered. Uh, it, God saw that, and He knew it was going to happen. And Jesus Himself, you know, you, as we go up to, as you're reading scriptures, He gets up to that moment of being arrested, and He's in the garden. You know he he knows how bad it's going to be. He says, "Lord, if if there's any other way, any other way." I mean, Jesus didn't really want to feel that. He didn't want to feel the pain of that. He knew what it would be like. Um, but he was willing to, because he knew the good. He knew what was going to come. For it. God was willing to allow that. He could have stopped it. Jesus could have stopped it. It says, right? The um, Bible says he could have just called ten thousand angels to come and take him off the cross. But our heavenly Father and then our Savior, through that moment, endured ev- that that evil and um, that those terrible events because of the redemption that was coming. Um, and like you said, Ryan, he, that's his purpose. And God is looking down on our life and this earth and he's outside of time. And he sees it all from beginning to end as, as one, as, as one event. I, I don't even know how to say that. Like he just sees it all. Like mm-hmm. it's just laid out there and he knows, okay, you know, 9-11, uh, COVID, you know, blue houses in Maui, whatever. Like he sees all that. And he knows where it's going. Um, he's like, just trust, just trust me, just trust me. I know where this goes. I know where this goes, even when we don't understand. Did you already share that verse? I may have missed it about uh, of Isaiah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I missed it. Just talking about his ways being yeah, his ways
0: are not, they're our, not ways. our ways.
1: Yeah, and we just have to we just have to depend on that on that truth and trust it. Anything else you guys wanted to add? I was just gonna to say that.
0: This is just a good story, but two years ago, uh, it was actually on my birthday, which at the end of September, um, we went to the city. It was actually all the chaplains at West Point went to the city and we actually got to meet a couple of survivors that were in the towers and they told their stories, which was uh, pretty incredible. We also met this rabbi who was telling a story about, he was at ground zero when all this happened and um, they had evacuated some people to the subways and, uh, he was walking down cause he, had, he had heard that there was one of the subways nearby that had a bunch of people who were scared, frightened. And he said, well, I'm, I'm going to go over here and just, you know, care on love on these people. And so he, he made his way down the subway and there's police standing there and they stop him and they say, Hey, hold up. Like, what are you doing here? Like, who gave you permission to be down here? And he said, God gave me permission to be mm-hmm. down here. <laughs> now, obviously, uh, you know, differences, theological yeah. differences with the rabbi, but I appreciated the story in that um, after he he said that, the policeman laughed and just let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. There was such an openness, as yeah. we had already talked about, to God. And sometimes he uses events like that to sort of re-engage us and bring about that revival. But if we were only so bold with the gospel, uh, you know, with bringing God to people. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, even with a world that seems to be running away from him, there are still people that desperately want that. And, uh, that was, that was something that spoke to me out of that story was, you know, may I bring God to people that fearlessly. And, um, you know, e- even if it, it means you know what's the worst that could have happened they could have kicked them out but even if it means i get yelled at or you know whatever scoffed at uh, may i be that bold but um man it, it makes me long for a time in which our nation was just that open yeah. for for god at the same time so again th- there's beauty in the chaos and uh, we have to be willing to to see that even though we don't understand how god's the inner workings of everything that god is doing
1: well, let's, uh, let's try to end with this clip. Um, yeah. so we need to go to America. You guys, I tell you what, can pause or pause mute yours and Ryan's mic during it. the video. Okay. And, um, just let mine roll. So it picks up the audio from. All right. the Just want to, yeah, just pause it on, or mute it on that. Hopefully you guys can, you guys can hear me, right? Okay. So, this is President Bush throwing out the first pitch at that Yankees World Series game. Okay, hold on. YouTube is muted. On <laughs> your first pitch, and please welcome the President of the United States. Was a strike, yeah. That was oh, there we go. Sorry for the echo. That was a pretty awesome thing to watch, especially yeah. Live, yeah.
0: I don't know if any other president would get a strike. Especially now, <laughs> no. get Biden or Trump
1: out there. You got to get the short. The you you got to bring them up to the <laughs> like you bring kids up closer in yeah. games like that. I yeah, I mean, it, it, even the pitch was was just right. Yeah, you know, he
0: threw that thing dead center because that could have been very bad. I mean, yeah, I mean, there were twenty plus
1: years removed from that. But
0: if he goes up there and just throws He'll some like horrible pitch that just <laughs>
1: bounces like ten feet the plate. over the catcher's head. Yeah. Or he nails somebody, you know, (laughs) in the dugout. That goes way off. Yeah, Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for sticking around with us, Um, and we will we'll talk about sex at some point. Let you know so that you uh, we'll give you a a little heads up Um, because I think it's gonna be a great a great conversation. There's so many uh, as as we've been discussing it. um, There's so much. just lose words guys there's so much um perversion among what god designed uh, sex to be and, and i think just i think we have a lot of men that listen to this a lot of guys and maybe one woman i don't know so we're gonna bring we're gonna talk about how it affects men and uh if stats are correct 80 to 90 percent of men uh view porn at least once a month so probably affecting all of us and that's uh, going to be a good conversation so we'll see you guys next time hope you have a great rest of the week